Hey everybody, Matt Michaels here on the DeFalco Files with the owner and creator of FSW, the future stars of wrestling here in Las Vegas, Mr. Joe DeFalco. Joe, happy new year. Welcome to 2024. Has it been everything you thought it would be so far? Uh, everything I dreamed of. Uh, let's uh, let's just uh, go look at uh, what happened New Year's Eve. Um, what did you think about the show? And uh, is this uh, has this become something you look forward to every year because of the fact that you have um, such a you know it's a good night. Um, it's like having family around you uh, at New Year's, and uh, plus you get to see guys beat each other up. Yeah, it's always a fun time. You know, we tried it a few years back. Just the thought it was like, hey, my wife's working. What am I going to be doing on New Year's? Nothing. Hey, what about doing a wrestling show? And then it, it really got some positive. You know, and we've continued to do it. And we've had some, you know, really good matches in the Iron Man match and yeah. Chris Bay losing the title to Jay Vidal and. You know, there's been a lot of great events that happened and great matches. And, you know, it, it surprises me of how many wrestlers are wanting to wrestle on New Year's and how many fans want to, like, get out of the house. Their debut and then they came you know they came strong with the family and friends so you know it it is kind of cool that the uh the younger kids are bringing in new people uh and exposing you know family and friends to something um I mean, does it just make it that more special that it's New Year's Eve? I, I don't believe it's because of that. I, I just think that they're, they're, the mariachis had their first match and their family and friends wanted to support them. So I guess being New Year's, it was like, hey, you know, maybe more people would have showed up if it was a different day. I don't know. Sure. But the, the people that were able to come out and support, I think I think they had about 15 people. You know, coming in the front row and, and going crazy. And the best part of it was they they stayed to the very end. They didn't, like, leave because their match was over. And we see that a lot. Yep. Like, the younger guys have a match, and it's the first or second match. And it's like, oh, cool, they sold, like, 10, 15 tickets. And then all of a sudden, the whole bleacher section in the middle is empty because they walked out right after the first match. Yep. And, you know, you can't force people to stay, but it's like, hey, you know, have them, you know, stick around. It, it, it just helps the atmosphere. And, you know, there's nothing like newer fans being shown what wrestling is that may barely know it or or they're big fans and never really gone to any smaller independent wrestling shows. Right. And then they become fans for life. It was the one guy from the Mariachis, their cousin, who trained with us for a couple months, but I didn't recognize him. And it was like, Wow, this guy showed more personality in the 10 minutes I talked to him than in the two months of training. <laughs> but, you know, he, he organized everything and he was really proud of the guys and they did a really good job, you know, and and, and you got to credit them, you know, the training that they got, you know, Remy was big on the mariachis and we were trying to get him on a future shot, but. I had an availability for a match. Uh, I needed somebody for 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 Duke and, and Koa. And Definitely. no offense to a lot of the other guys, but you know when you're 150 pounds, these these are two big monsters. Duke's 350 pounds, and it was like, well, here's their chance to sink or swim. Let's give them the opportunity. You know, it isn't a casino show. It's going to be family and friends anyway. So it's like a future shock in reality, you know? So they went out there and, and they did a really good job. So now it's like, okay, well, when there's an opportunity to be had, you know, they have to be first and forefront to be like, Hey, you know, there's a possibility that, uh, 
the mariachi montagna get the uh, get get the slot a lot of, lot as we said a lot of young guys man battling battling for spots yeah yeah which is i think one of the most impressive things i think that's when i think back to upw that's what was going on there is that when certain guys were ready it's just like it pushed everyone else to work harder because you don't you don't know now the guy who started three months ago could be right on your tail and you've been there for a year and a half yeah i can't believe the riggs brothers didn't push him joe out of the, the main event of the uh shows <laughs> oh man <laughs> um <laughs> So when you uh, when you look at a, a night like the New Year's show, uh, you did have a uh, an interesting, uh, uh, I guess, uh, revelation of uh, Damian Drake. Um, what 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 are we seeing from Mr. Drake and this uh, newfound attitude? that he has, uh, which seems to be a little more self-centered than he's ever been before. Well, you know, when you're struggling to succeed and you're a guy who's had tons of success and now things aren't going right, you know, you have, you have a couple of ways to go. You know, you can dig deep and say, hey, what do I got to do? Or you could say, well, it's this person's fault. It's, it's, it's the same as, well, I ain't getting pushed the way I was. Joe doesn't like me anymore. And it's like, well, maybe you're not producing to the level that other people are. And the one thing people don't want to believe is that if I'm here, well, you can't see because my camera ain't working. But, you know, if you're a top tier guy and somebody decides hey, I'm working harder and I'm bypassing you. Well, I have to make the decision that the guy here and the guy here, well, this guy might be ahead of him. You know, we've we seen Jay Vidal, uh, you know, at one point be a guy who was on a show. And we saw that with Damian Drake and we saw that with Vandegrip and we saw that with Gregory Sharp and we see that with Bodie and we see that with everybody. When, when you see guys that are at the top of the card, you know, it, it wasn't that long ago that they were bitching that they were in some five-way scramble or they were in a six-man tag because there isn't always something to be at the top of the card. You know what I mean? So, you know, it is what it is. You know, you have to fight and claw and scratch your way you know, it's always like, oh, well, you know, the, the, the old saying, well, yeah, you, you know, you were given the title. Well, no, you weren't given the title. You had to do a lot of things to earn that opportunity that somebody had enough faith in you to put that on your shoulders. Because, you know, a Hammerstone, we didn't know if he was going to be ready to be the heavyweight champion. We had L.A. Knight and Cross in the main event and had Hammerstone cash in. Because I felt he was ready. And then, again, if it doesn't work out, well, you, you, can, you can maneuver the belt any way you have to. But getting the belt made Hammerstone better, to be honest with you. You know, he stepped it up and he became a bigger deal then when he before the title, because now there's a newfound confidence. They say that in boxing, you know, once you become the champion, you know, that confidence level. And, and just because in boxing, you had to knock the guy out or whatever it is, it don't matter. But the, the bottom line is you're the champ. You have to hold yourself in a certain way. You got to represent. And, you know, guys will get that opportunity. And, has there been people that did get the opportunity and it didn't really work out? Of course it did. Sure. You know, back in the day, you know, Jacob Boston Young, I always talk about how he was preferring to be Robin and not Batman. And despite us trying to push him, Bryce was gone. We were going to make Jake the guy to be the next no limits guy, which we did. And he was in a tournament that beat guys like Willie Mack and Ryan Taylor and, and he got to work Rocky Romero and all the other stuff. 
but he was more content being the underling. Yeah. And, you know, it took him a long time. Same thing with Gregory Sharp. You know, he was a guy, he was there, he was in, he was out, you know, he was solid, but he wasn't ready to be that guy. And then we saw, you know, people want you to pull the trigger. Like with Sharp, oh, he's wrestling Remy for the Nevada State. Hyperstreaks never won a title. Can't believe you didn't put the belt on him. I I didn't think Hyperstreak was the guy that I wanted representing the Nevada State Championship. And what did Gregory Sharp do? For the next year, he went on a campaign of to prove that he was deserving. And we went full circle to Remy Marcel. And now Gregory Sharp is all over the place. Yeah. So, you know, he dug deep. He saw that, hey, maybe, maybe this character isn't what's going to take me to the next level. Did it for a few years. Got some pops. Crowd liked it, but, you know, to me, that wasn't that character wasn't a champion. Well, let me ask you, because I think that that kind of hits on what uh, Damien's going through, too. And that is the idea of um, how hard is it for when you when you get assimilated or, or the fans get assimilated to you and they like you because. <laughs> You know, the character is either a fun character or they've known you since you were, you know, 18 years old and watched you grow up to be 25. Um, And then you kind of mature and you find that, you know, that persona, that part of you that is kind of tired of just kind of being the same person and... Is it, I mean, is it hard for the fans to turn on a person who turned on them? You know what I'm saying? Like, because it's, it's, I, I guess it's tough. easier. I, I think it's easier if, if you're blasting the fans, well, then fuck you type of thing. You, you know right. what I mean? It's like Damian Drake turning on Dante King. Dante King hasn't been established enough in FSW. For that to be an oh my god moment, okay? He's been around for a good amount of time now. He's starting to get a following. People are starting to like him. But it isn't as if it was him and Bodie were best friends for a year. Or like when Matt turned on Damian Drake. That was a shocking moment. Why? Because... We've established for a very long time. These guys are best friends. These guys went to AAA together. These guys got a match that I put together for Conan at his seminar against each other because I thought he would like them. He did. Use them. Then the unguided came out. And now, even though he was a No Limits champion and even though he was a former tag champ in the Midnight Marvels, he was a kid then. Now, it's like, okay, Now it looks like he's getting to that main event status. There's people outside of FSW, the unguided, and then he gets hurt. And while he's getting hurt, Matt Vandegrift steps out and he's, he's shining. He's shining bright. And maybe people are getting in his ear, man. What are you doing in a tag team, bro? You know, you're awesome. You know, you can be the champion, you know, tag team champions. Great. But, Heavyweight champion, Nevada State champion, no limits champion. You know, that's you, singles. And gets in his head. Damian Drake's ready to return. But Matt Vandergriff's looking at bigger things. And Matt turns on him. And it was a shocking moment. The crowd was so excited for the unguided to be back. So now they have their match. They have an Ironman match. Damian Drake wins, you know, New Year's Eve, the crowd loves it. Uh, we go on to a limitless tournament. Damian Drake had won, and it's like, okay, you know, this, the the stars are aligning. But then all of a sudden, he gets the opportunity to wrestle sharp for the Nevada State. He comes up short, and now things aren't working out as well. And now he wrestles a rookie in Fox Valentine, and he loses there. Good match, he loses. Wrestles Danny Limelight, great match, but he loses. Wrestles Hero Lou, 
who was a guy who was underneath him a year ago, who's now eclipsed him. And now as people start to eclipse you, what are you doing? What am I doing wrong? You know, I'm coming out. I'm dancing for the fans. They love it. And it's like, yeah, okay, well, are, are you a wrestler or are you a dancer? You, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, it's all fun and frolic before the match. But what about when the match starts? Like the one thing I said, we had a beat the clock challenge and Damian Drake was on the outside not concerning himself with winning the match. He was more concerned with dancing with Sharp's girlfriend, who's the ring announcer, just to get under Sharp's skin. Right. So now it's like, well, fuck the fans. It's the fans' fault. Fans' fault for what? They're the reason you lost the match? No, you're the reason you lost the match. You slipped up. You're, you're wrestling competitive people. Now, losing to Fox, eh, you know, he's a rookie. You want to underestimate, whatever. You know, you went in there and you're not getting the job done. And now all of a sudden the guy who wrestled Hammerstone for the heavyweight title three or four years ago where people believed that Damian Drake could become the champion, you know, he was on that, him and Chris Bay. And, right. you know, he got detoured, uh, Damian Drake. He went to China. Didn't stay there long, but it kind of brought him back down. So there's been numerous times in his career when he was heading toward the pinnacle that things that had nothing to do with the actual wrestling show, it was, hey, I'm going to go to China. Hey, I got hurt. Hey, Matt got hurt. Whatever it was, there was different things that happened over that time period. And now you're like, well, you're trying to you're trying to catch that lightning in the bottle. You're trying to you're trying to find that new thing that the, the, the crowd's going to dig. And initially, yeah, great. The 80s thing, you know, was I a big fan of it? No, because I thought it took away from his wrestling ability, because even after the fact. When he did the, the character and the crowd was liking it. Well, guess what? We have a show with GCW and. For me, it was probably the match of the year. And that was a six-person tag, six-man tag. And, yeah, Alec Price, Gringo Loco, Jack Cartwheel, Bodie, Vandegrift, and Damian Drake. And Damian Drake brought it. And it reminded me, you know, he worked well with Matt, the unguided, you know. But, again, they're different people at this time. So even though they can get together and they've had some matches you know, and had opportunities or whatever, you know, both their mindsets. It, is, it isn't just Matt Vandegrift, it's Damian Drake. Their, their mindsets are, you know, they'll do their thing. They were in a match, they worked together, and they worked against each other. They're trying to win the match that they try to do. But it was a good match. Yep. And he is very, very good as a wrestler. But he yep. has to, it's, it's all in the head. He's got to figure it out. You know, and, and, and that's the, the, the truth of the matter, that he's reaching for acceptance, in my opinion. And now that he wasn't getting it from the fans, maybe as much as he had in the past, he feels that they turned their back on him. Okay, well, maybe that's the motivation, because I said, you know, Sharp being angry, that was a motivation. The Swapacitos being angry. You know, a lot of people have to have in their head a motivation. I'm going to show Joe. I'm going to show the world. I'm going to show the fans. They don't want to cheer me. You know what I mean? Everybody needs something to motivate them. You know, Limelight feels he's deserving of being the heavyweight champion. He's deserving and he's as good So a guy like Limelight needs to go out and beat a Hammerstone because he feels that's how he's going to get his recognition and he is going to get his opportunity to become the heavyweight champion. You know, everybody talks about, hey, greatest champion in FSW history. All he's done for FSW. He's the man. Oh, shit. Now he's going to be a TNA this weekend wrestling Josh Alexander. Man, I need to beat this guy. 
because for whatever reason, maybe it's my arrogance, maybe it's my cockiness, maybe it's I rub people the wrong way, but Limelight doesn't get the respect in that way, even though the fans know he's good. Right. Everybody knows he's good. There's no doubt about it. But sometimes the way he carries himself is going to rub people the wrong way. You know, when you go around thinking you're better than everybody. And in wrestling-wise, he is better than just about everybody. You know, right. they're, 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 you know, he's a top he's a top 10% guy in this business. Yeah. Not just in one company. In 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 the US, Danny Limelight's a top 10% guy without a doubt. Yep. And there's no doubt that people look at him and say, you know, that's a guy that good op- good good chance to see him. He, he's already been on AEW and MLW, so it isn't like, oh man, this guy's close. He's been there. You know, he'll tell you he was on his, his own worst enemy at AEW. You right. know, and he's had he's had a little bit of love in Mexico and he's had a little bit of love back in the day in Impact and now you know, I've seen his maturity level go up right. over the years from when we first brought him in. And he's definitely a major league talent. And that's all you can look for. You know, a major league talent is a guy that on any given day, he could be signed. You know, look at Brian Keith, who's now considered the number one independent wrestler. And a year or two ago, I'm looking like, why is Ice Cube on people's flyers? Because that's who I thought it was. I have no idea who this guy was. And all of a sudden, you get a little love here, a little love there. And now this guy's exploded. And it could happen to anybody, especially in this day and age with TNA signing people and AEW signing people and WWE, whether it's for them or for NXT and New Japan. And people getting opportunities there. You know, this is the best time in in reality to to be a wrestler. Because there's hundreds and hundreds of jobs of making a good living. Back in the day, you know, go back five, ten years. There was, was WWE. And if you didn't get signed, the odds of going to Japan was tough. You know. If you got lucky, maybe Ring of Honor, but that was right. it. Right. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, with that landscape essentially changing um, and becoming, in a sense, more competitive, even though when you have less opportunities, obviously it's naturally more competitive in that sense. Um, you know, guys have to step up their game a little bit more. And I think you made a good point about Hammerstone, who, of course, is now going to be inducted into the Hall of Fame uh, for FSW. Um, what would you say was the the point you realized that Alex went from being, you know, a a good potential guy to a guy who it kind of all started to click and everything that he started to do was geared towards getting to that next level to, to holding himself as a professional wrestler, as opposed to a good independent guy. Well, I think there was actually two occasions. I think the first occasion was which i believe was first was when we did a mecca and i put him in with sammy callahan who is at the time ex wwe guy and now he's a tna impact guy and i decided to give him an opportunity hammerstone to wrestle on that show and he brought it and it was like yeah there really isn't that much difference like if you plugged in and you said to somebody that hammerstone was the guy that's a major league guy and he's been in places and you don't know you're not looking at it there's no way no that other guy is way better no 
Right. You look at Hammerstone and you're like, yeah, this guy definitely belongs. And then the second time was when we did the impact tryout. And when other people like Sanjay Dutt and Sean Davari and Jeff Jarrett and Scott D'Amour are like, oh, yeah, yeah, I like this guy. Little, little bit much like Triple H, unfortunately, they thought at the time. Right. But that was when they saw, hey, you know what? This guy's got something. And they gave him an opportunity to wrestle on their implosion show or whatever. And he uh, defeated this guy, Brew Baker, out of Chicago. Didn't get signed. But that day, when word came out, yeah, they like you a lot. They think you're a little too much like Triple H, that this guy went out and cut all his hair off changed his gear and showed up because he was hungry and he wanted that opportunity. And he wasn't like, Hey, this is me. Take it or leave it. It was like, I'm going to do what it takes. What do I need to do? And you knew he was a guy at that point who was ready to get to the next level. Thankfully Conan saw him in uh, impact because he was working in creative there sent the message over to court and MLW. And even though it didn't end that well, but it, it really got Hammerstone on the on national level to where right. he got, you know, now he's got 25, 30,000 followers. He's been the face of MLW. They sent him to Japan where he had great success and basically geared him for what's next. Right. Yeah, because I remember trying to book him at one point in Arizona and I needed to get somebody else because he wasn't even old enough to rent a car yet. <laughs> you know, he was the rookie of the year in 2014. Wow. Yeah. And he was probably 22. Yeah. 22 years old because I believe he's 32. I thought he was 30. I was talking with Cage the other day. And he was like, no, I think he's like 34. And then he saw and he said it was it was 32. And, you know, I remember Matt and Rebby Hardy uh, announced him as the winner in Mesquite when we were in the ballroom. And there was a fight between uh, Che Cabrera, who was another nominee for Rookie of the Year, and Tito was there, which set up, obviously, the match between Hammerstone and Graves versus Tito and Che. So. Yeah. That's, uh, I mean, I, and you can't get much better than uh, what uh, Booker T said uh, this week about Hammerstone being a guy that Booker would want to see in the WWE system in NXT. So that's, you know, he's got the look and we know he can work. We know he can talk on a microphone. You know, it'd be nice, it nice to see, you know, LA Knight cross. Solo Sokoa and Hammerstone together in a uh, a fatal four way for the WWE Championship one day. Oh, you're talking fatal four way? I'm I, I'm thinking a faction. You well, just I think Cross is a little busy now with uh, Paul Ellering. Well, hey, it's it would take Hammerstone time to get up to the level, right? So. What do you mean? You let, he doesn't uh, need to go to NXT. He goes right uh, to the main roster. Come on. After he uh, smashes Josh Alexander this weekend. <laughs> Put that money on Hammerstone. Bet online. You can do it. Is is does does the Palms have a line going? No, but betonline.ag does. I wow. believe Hammerstone is plus two dollars, my friend. How much? How much do you have down? Uh, nothing yet. I'm gonna have to have the private conversation with him, and maybe he can give me the inside scoop, brother. You know what I'm saying? Tell you, you know, how in the stock stock market, you can't do insider trading, but if you want to bet wrestling, insider trading is where it's at. Give you his uh, his health report, and uh... maybe I'll hit up Matt Hardy. I'll hit up Matt. I'll say, hey, since you you still owe me the, the flight and you haven't gotten it, and I paid like six hundred bucks. Can you at least let me make six hundred bucks? Can you give me the uh, Can you give me the rundown of who's going to be winning this weekend? 
I think I could have made money when uh, Danielson lost to Okada a couple weeks ago. Uh, yeah, probably. <laughs> I was thinking, like, really? They're going to have Okada lose to Danielson? Man, that, that's hard for me to believe. But he, he was an underdog. Wow. Um, you know, you, you're talking about uh, uh, Hammerstone's opportunity uh, against uh, Josh Alexander. How how much does it play? And and you know this happened with uh, Ace Austin and Chris Bay uh, winning the titles here in Vegas uh, for the first time for the tag titles. How much does the hometown crowd play into? I guess the general psyche of you know these guys who have wrestled in front of these fans for years and now are on a big stage i mean does that over almost overwhelm the guys going into it in terms of that first moment when you step out and you get that pop reaction from the crowd even if you're supposed to be a heel you know that there's an overwhelming love hitting you right away as you're stepping out there yeah, you know, I, I find it extremely funny because, you know, you see people who maybe came to some FSW shows, but not really that many, or they haven't been there in a while. But then all of a sudden, an L.A. Knight or a Chris Bay or Hammerstone or whoever, they're wrestling, you know, and they act like they're one of their boys. Oh, yeah, my guy, my guy. And the thing is... I remember when Chris Bay first came out uh, for the dark match or he got an opportunity against uh, Daga the one time. But the first time it was uh, I was trying to that was when I had a little more influence with uh, the, the impact management. And that was when Sanjay was there and I was trying to get uh, Damian Drake and Chris Bay to wrestle the Rascals. And. Uh, they ended up changing it because they put in uh, Matt Seidel's brother, Mike, and they put him in with Chris Bay. And I guess they had put together the match, but Sanjay had to change it because it was the Rascals' television debut. So they didn't want some 50-50 match. So right. Chris Bay kind of started out, but he gets introduced, and now all of a sudden you're hearing Bay, 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 because – it's in Samstown. It's in our home venue at the time right? with a lot of our fans who know who Chris Bay is. And same thing with Hammerstone, that they're getting the love. And I think it's more important to the management because management sees, ah, here's some local guy, whatever. They, they go all over the United States. There's local guys always being on shows or whatever. It's like, they see a guy like Hammerstone who is now universally cheered and Bay and Royce and Jarrell or whoever it is that is, is known because of FSW, which is great for FSW. It makes me feel fantastic when sure. an LA night blasts my name out at a WWE house show and I get messages from tons of people like, oh, I can't believe it. I'm like, fuck. You can't believe it. I can't believe it. You know what I mean? It's like, well, and wait, wait, let's address the fact that you were not at that show, right? I was not. So he didn't even get you a single ticket or get you backstage. <laughs> uh, I, I, I could have gotten a ticket. I'm pretty sure. But it was like, yeah, it's a house show. I'm not that interested in going there. It's like, you know. And then all of a sudden I got a message. First, I got a message from one of our fans. And he was like, oh, yeah, you got a great FSW shout out. Uh, he said something about you owing him 250 bucks, LOL. And I'm like, what the fuck is he even talking about this guy? Like, I have no idea. And then I guess Joey found like, you know, the LA Night speech that was uploaded on YouTube. So all of a sudden I was able to do it. And I listened and watched, and I was like, wow, he mentioned me twice. Joe DeFalco's going to love this. 
I'm pretty sure Dave Marquez didn't get that shout out when they were in Anaheim the next day. I'm just saying. Just saying. You know. And I and you know, very I was very appreciative. I actually after I saw it the next day, I was like, "Hey bro, really appreciate it. Thanks for the love." And he messaged me back within 5 minutes, you know. Thanks a lot. Bye bye bye. You know, so, you know, we've kept in touch a little bit here and there. You know, there was times he was going to be in Vegas or he was asking about a ring or, or whatever. And, you know, he's another guy that we knew from day one that this guy had the potential to be a superstar, to yep. be a WWE guy. The minute he got on the microphone, you know, fans would shut the fuck up and listen to him. They didn't ever want to drown him out. They'd boo him during the match. But they they would be listening intently. Let me talk to you. You know, we even have a thing on YouTube. I had him do uh, Rickerisms because he was always having his little, you know, one sentence thing. And there's like 15 of them that he did all banging them all out, you know, because we knew, you know, the talent. And it's like, you know, the guys. And that's why I talk about being the FSW heavyweight champion holds weight. You know, you know, you go from an L.A. night at the time, Ricker, Eli Drake, whatever, Brian Cage, Chris Bay, Hammerstone, Cross, you know, Sefa, Nevada State Champion, Zoe, you know, having that that championship means something, you know, because I feel strongly that my heavyweight champion is generally going to be a guy that I feel is ready for that next level. Sure. You know, once we had Matt Hardy got the belt and then we passed it on down to Brian Cage and then it was Cross and then it was LA Knight and then it was Hammerstone and it was Bay. Like, wow, this is this is a good legacy of champions. Yeah. yeah. And then Sefa you know, he was he was in line to become the heavyweight champion. He was the Nevada State champion until that one moment when he was like, hey, Joe, I want to let you know I'm going to be gone in three weeks. And he showed up to do one last thing for us uh, with Chris Bay and Danny Limelight. Yeah. At that, I believe, our anniversary show when we did yeah. the two-night anniversary. So, you know, it was – it's cool to see these guys, but there's other guys that you see that have that potential and whether it's youth and whether it's this, whether it's that, it's like not everybody gets to be Chris Bay and cross. And within three or four years of starting their journey that they're signed by major companies, you know, it took Brian cage. Brian cage was signed with WWE developmental in like 2007 or eight. We used yeah. him in 2009. He didn't get anything in major at all until Lucha Underground, which was probably 2017, maybe. So that yeah, means that guy was plodding along for 10 years. Yeah. yeah. Same thing. Same thing with LA Knight. Yeah. We started using him in the beginning of 2010. And I remember we were at the Silverton. That's when he was going to win the heavyweight championship. And he was leaving to go to WWE. That didn't last long. Then he went to Impact. And then that was it. Right. And then he was like in NWA for a little while. Then all of a sudden it was like, oh, shit. And, and we had talked because I think I used him a couple times when he was at NWA. And he had mentioned about going back to WWE. And then they... All of a sudden, he started getting on. They started doing some stuff. And, you know, he had some success. And then they brought him up with that har horrible Max Dupree gimmick. And it was like, oh, that's a recipe for failure. And, and again, now, if Triple H doesn't take over and Vince McMahon's still in charge, yes, he was LA out Knight might be headlining an FSW show to, today. Yeah. Yeah, no, his his foot was out the door. Um, you know, it's 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 amazing uh, how that can, you know, 
how that type of thing can change so drastically when, you know, let's put it this way. Who would, who would be the heavyweight champion if, uh, if you decided, okay, I'm done. And Joey took over. Who would be? Yeah. Who, who would, who would Joey then, you know, start giving pushes to that you never would. I don't know. <laughs> you know, he generally, you know, there's certain people that he may like, but he, he generally, you know, he's not dumb. You know, he, he sees the talent. Like he may, he, he would definitely do things differently. Like people have this misconception that I only like the flippy flop guys, which is the farthest thing from the truth. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, I, I do enjoy that. But I enjoy a little bit of everything. Just like I said, Davey Richards and Jacob Austin Young was my one of my favorite matches of that year. Yep. But the six-person tag, six-man tag versus GCW was one of my favorite matches of that year. You yep. know, it, there's different things. I could see matches and they're they're mat based. I like everything, but they gotta be good, you know, and you know, everybody's got a little bit of different tastes, but the bottom line is, you know who, you know, I like to say from future star to superstar. That's the uh, quote I used for uh, Hammerstone for the Wall of Fame ceremony. But it's 100% true because it's it's weird because people are like, oh, it's about time. Okay. Well, it's a Wall of Fame. The guy's only 32 fucking years old. <laughs> you know what I mean? It isn't like he's been retired for 12 years and I decided to put him in. It was like, it's weird, the concept of how we do it. And it's like, Jay Vidal got one. Why? Because we trained Jay Vidal and he got signed by a major company. Right. Chris Bay, we trained from scratch. Cross, we trained from scratch. Zoe had training. She hadn't really done anything outside of Utah. We right. brought her in, got her opportunities at TNA, working Jordan Grace. I got a Tessa Blanchard. She got all these things and she blew up. And a guy who I usually respect, Tom Howard, puts me over all the time about what I did for, for, for Zoe Lacey. And so it's like, you know, it, it's a crazy world and how things end up because of certain things that you didn't think like Cross. To me, Cross was a guy that Vince McMahon would love, but I guess for some reason he didn't. Like, he had the size. He had a persona. He had a character. Oh, this guy's going to be pushed to the fucking moon. And it was like it wasn't for Triple H. <clears throat> he still might be in FSW. Right. Well, maybe not. He'd probably be in AEW or something by now. But you get well, my point. Yeah, your 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 main event right now probably was going to be Cross versus LA Knight. 17. <laughs> Because they had a lot of run-ins. Yeah. Well, I mean, again, that's that's money right there. Yeah, you know, a match we didn't get in FSW that we probably would have had uh, Solo Sokoa versus LA Knight that they had in WWE. Yeah. And, and getting back to the Wall of Fame thing, it was like, yeah, well, Brian Cage was a guy who started with us in 2009 and made it. That's why he got on there. You know, I was always leery, you know, people like, oh, Kenny King, Kenny King. It's like, yeah, Kenny King's a no-brainer. The thing is, Kenny King was a star before anything had anything to do with FSW. Right. The Wall of Fame is based off people that kind of started with us that have gone on. When I worked with Kenny in like 2000 with the Vegas Extreme stuff. He was already a Ring of Honor guy. You know, by the time we started the school, he had worked for TNA and Ring of Honor. And it's like, yeah, and he's one of our main trainers. No doubt he is a, a Hall of Fame guy. But at the time was, he was already that guy beforehand. Right. You, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, it, 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 so it's better than the... WWE one when a Coco Beware or or Nikolai Volkov are in because of their longevity or what whatever it is, 
But the reason why Jay Vidal and Chris Bay and, and Lacey and Cross and even Cage and L.A. Knight's in there, another guy who when we had him, he wasn't a star. And now he's become one of the biggest stars in professional wrestling. Why wouldn't we want to have him on our wall of fame? He's a multi-time FSW heavyweight champion. Right. It means something. So, you know, and now with Hammerstone, it's like, okay, you know what? The time is right. You know, we could have done it at any time. But now he's had that longevity in his career. He is now a free agent that we may not have him much longer. Right. Exactly. A hundred percent. And I want to be able to have him on that wall when he can actually be there to do it. Like, I appreciate Sefa, you know, he sent in, you know, a video and he thanked everybody and thanked me. And, and because we all know, you know, how much I try to help people, but it isn't like broadcast out daily. Like, Hey, I let this person train be, and they had no money. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, you try to give up as much opportunity to people as you can. And if they work hard and they, you know, a Chris Bay, you know, I always tell his story and he, he's a guy that for whatever reason left Virginia to come to FSW. I don't, I've never really asked like, I probably did. I don't really remember, but it was like, what made you get up from Virginia with little to no money in your pocket to come to FSW? And I, I, I believe he's told that story before. And I think it just had to do with him catching something online, seeing, you know, seeing the product and just going, this is where I need to be. So, I mean, I mean, that's, that's the other thing that you got to take into consideration too, is that for what it was, let's say the last, you know, five, 10 years for sure. Um, the exposure of the company to people across the country, you know, you've said it many times, people hit you up because they want that opportunity, want that chance um, because they've seen the product and they know the, you know. The and and it's also the wrestlers. Like I always yeah. said, yeah. you know, I'm very well respected in NorCal Reno area because yeah. the Reno scum who we had great success with for many years, you know, put me over Brian cage, you know, would jokingly say, you know, for a guy who pays me as little as Joe does, he's one of my favorite promoters and he's, and I'm his favorite promoter who never paid his rate. And, and he loved you so much that he's raising his family here in Vegas. Now. In Vegas. He, he's waiting for his, uh, uh, Wall of Fame banner that we actually have made. Yeah, so that yeah. one's ready to go. Yeah, got to get that one up, man. Well, um, you know, we don't want to, uh, you know, have Cage and Hammerstone on the same night. You know, maybe Cage will introduce Hammerstone on the 28th. Right. You know, to set the tone. Well, that's that's about 800 for uh, him to come out? No, no, because it, with the promise of getting him one, I, I, I probably get that one comp. <laughs> True. All right. But, but speaking of that, you know, we need to kind of wrap up because I have to go meet, hate to name drop, but uh, RVD needs to use the uh, facility to film some stuff. So, so I got about five more minutes if you got any other. Well, let's... Let's just, uh, let's just, uh, well, we can talk about the 28th. Yeah. I was just going to say what the 28th was supposed to be no escape. As we all know, having problems with the venue at the silver nugget. I actually had my first phone conversation with one of the other venues that we're looking at and we're trying to see if it's a fit and the pricing and all the other stuff. So no escape. The roster that we built for that is coming to the FSW arena. So you're paying less money because we're saving money, obviously, from the thing. But we have all the champions will be there. Viva Van's making her return. So I think she's got some choice words for Maserati. <laughs> then we have 
Obviously, the heavyweight champion, Shogun. The no-limit champion, Bodie. The Nevada State champion, Jacob Austin Young. Bateman's there. Cody's there. Hammerstone's there. Hero Lou's there. The West Coast Wrecking Crew will be defending the tag titles. We'll announce it right here. Uh, because we had three eliminator matches. And by the luck of the draw, we will have one more eliminator match, which will be the regulators will wrestle the Billionaire Boys Club. And the winner of that match will wrestle at No Escape, which we're hoping is in mid-February. The winner of the West Coast Wrecking Crew versus the other team who won the eliminator match, Sky High. So those are the first two matches that we have set for New Year's resolution. And now I'm trying to figure out everything because we got so much talent at a school show at the FSW <laughs> arena that obviously we can't give away certain things that we were going to do at no escape. Right. So now we got to kind of, you know, work some storylines, angles. So we got the Hammerstone Wall of Fame ceremony. Uh, his good friend Danny Limelight will be on hand. Who knows what chaos may occur at that show? I so think, I think uh, Danny Limelight's response to him uh, to Hammerstone getting the banner was uh, three laughing emojis. I think it was five, but maybe. Five? <laughs> so yeah, it, it, we we know how he's feeling. No, well, that's, you know, great. he's going to have his opportunity. You know, yeah. he, you know, I know Hammerstone specifically told me he is not happy with what happened. He got eliminated from the Rumble because of Danny Limelight. All right. So I think what may have been finality between those two, Hammerstone had beaten him. And if, you know, Hammerstone threw out Limelight, well, I guess he's done. But, Limelight made it personal, and I think uh, Hammerstone might have something to say about it at the Wall of Fame ceremony. So get your tickets, eventbrite.com. There we go, and we'll talk more about it uh, come next week. Uh, enjoy uh, what you got to do over there with uh, with Rob. Um, yeah, maybe I can get him to do some kind of appearance for us. You know what I mean? Hey, man. Uh, Rob's one of my favorite guys in, in the business. You know, he's yeah, Rob's super cool, dude. but you know, he 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 he's, he likes the cash. Yes, he does. Right? Not that he's, he's throwing me, not he doesn't like throwing out cash to anybody, but you know, he likes the cash. Just Joe, do you just just get him a couple bags of uh some fine smokes, and uh I'm sure that uh, that might Make everything that might work for Sabu, but I don't think it works for Rob. <laughs> All right, everyone. Thank you for tuning in this week. And until next week, we'll see you then. <laughs>